Chapter 4, Part 4 of Pioneer Work in Opening the Medical Profession to Women by Elizabeth Blackwell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4, Part 4 Study in Europe, 1849-1851 On June 30th I entered La Maternité, my residence there was an invaluable one at that stage of the medical campaign, when no hospitals, dispensaries, or practical cliniques were open to women. La Maternité was a great state institution, where young women to be trained as midwives were sent up from every department of France. The system of instruction, both theoretical and practical, was a remarkable illustration of that genius for organization which belongs to the French. Every moment of time was appropriated. No distraction of books, newspapers, or other than medical works were allowed. Lectures, ward work, drills, and cliniques were arranged from morning to night with no confusion, but no pause and the comprehension and progress of each pupil was constantly tested by examination. The institution occupied the old convent of Port Royal, and the discipline was monastic in simplicity, regularity, and seclusion. Stirring events were occurring in Paris during my residence in the maternity, but only vague rumors reached us, as no newspapers were allowed within the old gray convent walls. The following letters give curious pictures of life in this remarkable French institution. July 1st, 1849. A la maternity. Dear Mother, I have now entered upon a strange phase of life, which I must try and describe that you may imagine me running about in my great white apron, in which respectable article of apparel I expect to figure for the next three months. I had a good many obstacles to encounter from my ignorance of French customs, and the physicians of Paris, as far as I can judge, are determined not to grant the slightest favor to a feminine M.D., I could not obtain from any persons connected with the maternity the smallest modification to suit the very different status with which I enter from the young French sage-femme, but I was determined to enter on whatever conditions, and enter too by the 1st of July, to habituate myself a little to the ways of the place before the annual lectures commenced." I find now that nothing would have been easier than to have given me a little room to myself, permission to go out occasionally, and similar favors, which need have occasioned no jealousy or inconvenience, for the very fact of my being a foreigner impresses the French girls, and they would freely have accepted any claim made for me but everything was obstinately refused to all the representations of myself or the consul, Mr. Walsh, 
and I was only too glad to enter as a young, ignorant French girl. On June 30th, I drove down with Anna to the hospital. The high stone wall, with the tops of old buildings peeping above, extends nearly the whole length of a little street. A very small door led into a dark little entrance, the portiere on one side, and a long room, called by courtesy the parloir, on the other. You must notice the parloir, for it is there I shall receive my visitors, if I ever have any, at two o'clock, in common with the other Ileva, and there in one corner, in a sort of little glass box, sits the good dame who attends to the letters and transacts all the outdoor business for the Ileva. The ceiling is very low, the floor of brick, rows of wooden benches ranged one before the other, the most uninteresting room you can possibly conceive. The only pretty thing being the vine leaves which peep through the diamond-shaped windows. This room forms part of a row of old buildings standing against the wall, which contain the director's bureau, the internes, rooms, etc., it was too late for me to see M. Boyvin, the director, so an old woman took me into the central buildings through a labyrinth of little passages and long galleries, and all manner of rooms and queer places, to Madame Charrière, the sage-femme-in-chief, who has her own rooms in a particular part of the building. Her parlor is the funniest little cabinet of curiosities, with a carpet on the floor, as it is of brick instead of waxed wood. Little chintz sofas, mosaic tables, boxes, china and figures, crucifixes, pictures and embroideries, and curtains everywhere. Madame Charrier is a little deformed woman, elderly, but with a fresh color still, and kind blue eyes. I like what I have seen of her. She seems generally loved by the pupils, and though I do not imagine her of any particular amount of intellect, she seems to have good sense, and after twelve years in such an establishment as this, she ought to have much valuable experience." Madame Charrier conducted me by unknown ways to Madame Blockel, the superintendent of the Datois, who took me into the infirmary and said I must sleep there until I had arranged my affairs with the director. I did not much admire the idea of passing the night in the infirmary. There was a large wood fire on the hearth, and the air felt warm and somewhat close. I looked suspiciously at the long rows of beds extending on either side, their white curtains closely drawn. I did not know what undesirable emanations might be proceeding from them. However, I said nothing— but determined to investigate the contents of the beds as soon as the observers had withdrawn. My trunk was brought up, my bed pointed out, a little lamp placed on the table, and I was left alone. 
I proceeded then to make my observations and found to my great relief that every bed was empty except one, in which one of the Ileva, who happened to have a headache, was lying, and from her I found that the place is healthy and no epidemic has prevailed there for a long time. I found her, like the other French girls, full of those light kindnesses which are so pleasant. She asked me eagerly if I was from her province, and seemed to regard me with much interest when she found I was a stranger from New York, which was the only part of the United States she had heard of, of which she took to be an island near Havana. I have since found that the pupils are much disappointed that I am not black, as they supposed all persons from America were. After talking a little with her, I took out my writing materials and sat down to the table, determining to pay a little visit across the water before going to rest in my new home. But I had no sooner seated myself than Madame Cherrier entered with a crowd of Ilava to know if I would pass the night in the Salle de Couchement it being an optional matter the first night. Of course I expressed the utmost willingness. I put up my letter with a sigh, dressed myself for duty, and accompanied an ancien ileva, that is, one who has already studied a year and who always has one or more nouvelles ileva under her care for initiation, to the room where the children are born. A large apron of coarse toweling was given me, with the injunction not to lose it, or I should have to pay three francs. There was a large upper room, rather dimly lighted, beds all round, a fire on the hearth, cupboards full of linen in the corners, heaps of shining copper and tin utensils, several rush-bottomed chairs and wooden tables, and in the center a large wooden stand with sides on which the little newcomers, tightly swathed and ticketed, are ranged side by side. In the course of the night we had the pleasure of arranging eight in this way, and the next morning when Madame Charrier made her appearance, the cloth was removed, and the sight shone with much triumph. It was really very droll. Each little shapeless red visage peeped from under a coarse peaked cap, on the front of which was a large label with the name and sex, a black serge jacket with a white handkerchief pinned across, and a small blanket tightly folded round the rest of the body completed the appearance of the little mummy. Their behavior certainly realized Fourier's supposition, for there was very little crying all the time they lay there together. There were four young French girls sitting up with me, besides the girl who makes the beds and does the roughest work. They were all pretty and pleasant, of no education except their studies in the institution, but those had been evidently carefully attended to, 
and it sounded not a little droll to hear the scientific terms flowing so glibly from their laughing lips, which were busily employed in talking nonsense all the time that their duties did not call them to the bedside. The next morning at ten o'clock we were discharged from duty. It was Sunday, a comparatively leisure day, and I, being a Protestant, was excused from the religious services, but I was too sleepy to do much. I wrote, walked in the garden, and read a little there, retired early, and had a most welcome sleep and very pleasant dreams. Our dotois is a large, airy room, with a row of windows and beds on each side, divided into two by a large archway. It contains sixteen beds, occupied mostly by Ancien Iliva. I have a window behind my bed. I have shoved the bed forward, fitted in a chair behind, hung up my dressing gown, and put a few books on the floor by my side, and call it my room. I am now sitting there writing to you. I have just room enough to move my right arm freely, but I am out of the way, I am breathing fresh air, so I consider myself very well off. An old crucifix ornamented by gilded leaves hangs at one end of the datois. Two little lamps are suspended from the ceiling, an iron bedstead and a chair are appropriated to each individual. The floor is formed of little hexagon bricks, which in some of the rooms are so terribly polished that I walk on them with difficulty. The datois is seldom quiet. The girls sit there a good deal, and some who have watched through the night are generally there in bed. And how French girls do chatter! How they do go into sudden fits of ecstasy or rage! Once, at least in the day, we have a grand storm, Madame Blockel coming in for some trouble or other, in which she and the accused outscream each other, and appear to be mortal enemies for a few minutes, and the best of friends immediately after. At twelve o'clock we receive our supply of bread for the day, which we keep in our bedroom and take backwards and forwards to meals. I have frequently wished that you could see me walking gravely along the gallery with my loaf of bread wrapped in a napkin under my arm. The dining room is a large hall full of round tables, only three of which are occupied at present, as the Ilava only number thirty, instead of ninety, the usual number. At dinner I saw them all together for the first time, some very pretty and graceful, some very rough. I am learning to take wine. Everyone advises me to do so, and I shall soon be able to drink my bottle a day. There seems to be an admirable organization of work here in every department. I have been much amused today by the lessons in theory that I have received from my Ancien Iliva, or chef. The pupils all sat round, and the young instructress, furnished with some bones, 
gave out an explanatory sentence, which was repeated by each one in turn. I found it an excellent plan of learning French. Of course the repetition would have been intolerable without the language, but to listen to a dozen different voices and to repeat myself I found to be admirable practice. Indeed, being cut off from all English communication is a great advantage in learning French. July 3rd. This morning I finished my letter in another situation. I wrote last night till it was dark, and the little lamp in our datois gave so much darkness that I went to bed for want of light. Today I am en service, that is to say, I shall spend the day from eight in the morning till eight in the evening in superintending the six rooms of the infirmary. I have been handling leeches for the first time, disgusting little things. I enter with an ancien Iliva, who shows me all the ways of the house. At present, the lectures have not commenced, but the visits of Madame Charrière and the physician take place every day, and nature is always here in great abundance to be studied. I feel I shall gain a great deal, and hitherto it has really not proved nearly so formidable an imprisonment as I supposed. The air is delightful, this beautiful summer weather, the girls pleasant. There is much to interest in so large an establishment, and I suppose the three months will soon slip away, for I have entered, in my own mind, only for the three months, though I have been asked so often if I am going to stay two years that I have had to tell a great many evasions. I shall have, doubtless, many weary moments, but I want you all to know that it will not be so utterly miserable as my former letters may have represented, and great will be the reward." So send a welcome greeting to the voluntary prisoner. July, 1849. Dear M, I last wrote to you when I was my own mistress. Now, in some measure, I have given up my liberty, and I must give you a little sketch of my prison life that you may be able to picture the surroundings of your sister M.D., Imagine a large square of old buildings, formerly a convent, set down in the center of a great court with a wood and garden behind, and many little separate buildings all around, the whole enclosed by very high walls, over the tops of which, shining out beautifully against the clear sky, may be seen the dome of the Pantheon the Hôtel des Invalides, and the whole building of the observatory which is close adjourning. The inner court is surrounded by Les Cloies, a most convenient arched passage which gives a covered communication to the whole building, and which I suppose was formerly traversed by shaven monks on their way to the church, whose great painted window looks out into the court, but which now echoes the laughter of many merry girls, 
and across which at half-past seven every morning you may see your humble servant with her coarse tablier de service and little white pot in hand hurrying to get some coffee at half-past five every morning i start up in bed roused by the bustle of the iliva who are up before me i make violent efforts to drive away sleep which are only partially successful and then follow the example of twenty girls who inhabit the same long dotois and who are busy each by her own iron bedstead dressing hastily to be ready for the visit i hasten upstairs to the long corridor the saint elizabeth where my patients lie i inquire carefully their condition wash them and see that the beds have been properly arranged by that time it is a quarter past six madame Cherrier makes her appearance and goes the rounds accompanied by the ilava each one giving a short report of the patients under her care it is a funny group fifty women or more of all ages wide awake from the hurry of their duties but dressed mostly in haste with little white caps colored handkerchiefs and the coarser ones in short bedgowns their faces browned by the sun their hands red with hard work but all good-tempered with a kind word always ready and their black eyes sparkling with life we pass through the Salle Sainte Marguerite, Sainte Elizabeth, Sainte Anne, visiting each patient in her alcove. It is seven when we finish. I hasten back to my dotois, make my bed, etc., fetch my coffee, which I procure for two sous a morning from the superintendent of the infirmary, eat it hastily with my bread, which is always supplied for the day at noon, and then hurry off to the Salle Saint-Marie and Saint-Marte, where the more sick patients are placed, whom the attending physicians visit every morning at eight. At this visit are present M. Girardin, the chief physician, a tall, dry, gray-haired man, full of pomposity, the interne, M. Blatt, a very handsome, somewhat dignified young physician with, I fancy, rather a cross temper. Madame Charrier, the aide sage femme, and as many of the Ileva as choose to be present. This over, I make some independent visits to cases which interest me, to the nursery, etc., and try to pick up a little here and there. Then I return to the datois and read or write a little. Afterwards, I join the class instruction in the wood, a preparatory lesson which the elder Ileva give to the younger ones, and which I attend for the sake of the French. It is a very pretty method of instruction. The young teacher, seated on the grass, all the pupils grouped around under the thick shade of some fine tree, the atmosphere being of an elastic purity which is truly charming. The French girls have a natural talent for instruction. They are so in the habit of talking 
that they never find the slightest difficulty in expressing what they know, and their lively perceptions give them a peculiar power for superficial instruction. Our poor country girls find it very hard at first to catch scientific words that they do not understand, but in a surprisingly short time they roll them off smoothly and to a certain extent understand well what is taught them. At twelve the bell sounds for the first meal, only milk being given at seven o'clock. We enter a large hall full of round tables, each holding twelve. To each are furnished a couple of white plates, a tumbler and small bottle of wine, a loaf of bread, a spoon and fork. The meal consists of soup, boiled meat, and vegetables. It is eaten in haste to the music of Madame Blockel's voice, which keeps up a storm the whole time. She is a somewhat important personage, superintending our meals in our datois. She is a little red-faced, squint-eyed being, with tremendous projecting teeth, and dressed always in rusty black with a black cap. She is good-natured, liked by the girls, but has a tremendous vocal organ, which is always sounding forth at its highest pitch. Morning, noon, and night, good Madame Blackell's voice drowns all opposing sounds, and really now I am getting as used to it as to a noisy street, and would not care if only she would keep out of the datois at night when I am sleepy, for like a barking dog she sets all the girls going, and I don't know when the storm subsides, for I sink to sleep in spite of it. When the meal is over, we present a funny sight, each carrying off her loaf, napkin, knife, and various bottles and remnants of dinner. I return to the datois, do up little matters, read or attend the class again, visit my patients in the corridor, and from two to three go to the parloir to see my friends, if they are so good as to come to that hot hour to see me. This parloir is a funny affair, a plain room filled with wooden benches where all manner of rough people are assembled to visit the Ilava. On certain days also, in one corner, a woman establishes a little shop where she supplies all the small wants of the girls in the way of haberdashery, stationery, perfumery, etc. And in another corner sits the old lady, la dame de bureau, observing everything, and giving the signal precisely at three for the departure of everybody. At six, a second meal is served, consisting of roast meat and some little kind of cake and another bottle of wine. Afterwards, we are free to do as we choose. I generally sit a little in the wood and write till it is dark. In a few days, however, the lectures commence and four or five hours will be occupied in that way. I have described my idle, or rather my free days, when I am en service, 
I spend the whole day in the ward where I am placed, or the night if I happen to be on night service. About three or four days are thus spent, and after passing the night in watching, I am not worth much the next day, for I am not yet accustomed to the duty. Then little extra touches come in to diversify the day. I pay a visit to Madame Charrier or to Mademoiselle Mallet, one of the aides-sages-femmes, whom I like very much, or some difficult operation calls us to the amphitheater. Next week I shall be able to tell you how I like the lectures. We shall have several each day, and I hope they will supply the want which I now feel of an intelligent explanation of the phenomena which I observe. End of chapter 4, part 4